Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Let me tell you folks a little bit about Dan Griffin. Dan has dedicated his life and his work to exploring and redefining what it means to be a man in the 21st century. He is committed to helping men be better men by understanding the impact of the man rules on their lives. Dan helps men find success in their personal lives, uh, which all of us are striving for in addition to our professional lives. Dan's book, Uh, A Man's Way Through Relationships, love that book, is the first book written specifically to help men create healthy relationships while navigating the challenges of the man rules, ideas that men internalize at very early ages and about how real boys can learn to become men. Dan's professional background includes over two decades in mental health and addictions. He's author of A Man's Way Through the First Steps, the first trauma-informed book to take a holistic look at men's sobriety. And he also co-authored Helping Men Recover, the first comprehensive gender-responsive and trauma-informed curriculum for addiction and mental health professionals. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. What the heck have you been sitting around making rules up for men for? Oh, my gosh. I already have lots of rules. If only those rules that we've grown up with since we were wee little lads that uh, drive so much of our behavior, whether we see it or not. And the ones that we fought against, the ones that we've embraced, the ones that drive our behavior when we're not even paying attention, and the ones that we've tried to used to sculpt to make the best man that we can be. And it really shows up in different ways. But it is the man rules because what happens when you don't follow the rules? You get in trouble. You get in trouble. What (laughs) happens when you do follow the rules? Uh, Usually do pretty okay. You do okay and you get the attaboys and you get the praise and that sort of thing. And so... Well, wait a minute. I thought... If you're a man, you, you're in charge of the rules. Isn't that how it goes? Well, there's an element of that. There's no question about that. But here's the thing, the interesting thing. I mean, when I'm talking about the man rules, I'm talking about how we've grown up as boys to become men. And who are the primary caregivers? Moms. So moms are teaching us these rules. Dads are teaching us these rules. The media is teaching us these rules. So, so and you want to know one of the big places he, we learn the rules? School? Schoolyard. You got it. Well, I know they beat the crap out of me if I was anything more than a really boy boy. Right. So that was, I know one rule I learned was you absolutely have to act like a boy and be a boy and don't ever show any signs of being girl-like. Right. That's what I learned. That's a huge rule. Don't be a girl. Don't be a girl. Hey, why don't we just go through this? 
What kind of rules are we talking about here? These are like universal rules I've found because I do this exercise with audiences when I do speeches and it's very interesting, right? So I'll do a talk and I'll have the audience name the man rules. What are the man rules? What they think the culture has decided we should be. Yeah. What, what, what are the ideas mm-hmm. that we tell boys are what you need to do to be a real man? Number one answer 99% of the time is don't cry. Real men don't cry. Still, Dan, still in 2019. And it's, isn't it interesting? So it is. And if you want to see that play out, just go visit a kid in the third grade or the fifth grade or the seventh grade. In fact, if you could have the little video on that kid in kindergarten, third grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, it's still alive and well. And And my daughter talks about it. You have a daughter who's in what, second, third grade? Uh, She's going to be in fifth grade already. Yes. But I've watched it because I've watched her in kindergarten with her boyfriends. And I've watched her in second grade and third grade and fifth grade. And she's now starting to notice how the boys act differently. The boys have to be stronger. She's Mm. like, none of the boys cry when they get hurt. And she Mm. just said that to me one day. And I thought, well, what do you think about that? She said, I don't know. She said, they just won't cry. I said, well, what about the girls? Yeah, the girls cry all the time. I said, well, you think boys don't cry? Have you seen boys cry? Yeah, but, you know, they get made fun of. And so in today's day and age still, those rules are very strong. Now, do we have a slightly less dogmatic approach to that? Yes. Is there more of an allowance for men to cry in our society? Well, and the rules will get challenged, right? A girl will, uh, someone will say that I I don't like your acting. There's more room for other people to say, I don't like that man rule you're following. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Can you give us more? If we can identify, if we can identify that it's rules that we're following and not Hmm. who that person is. Huh. So say more about that. You're saying that I might act certain way around, I don't know, women. And it isn't just about who I am, but what I've learned. Absolutely. I, I don't think the problem is men. I think the problem is how men have been raised. Tell more about that. Well, we teach these boys from a very young age. So if you want to know what are some of the primary man rules are, mm-hmm. don't cry, mm-hmm. don't ask for help, mm-hmm. don't be weak, don't be vulnerable, use sex as the only form of intimacy. Don't be like a girl. Do these sound familiar? Don't be like a girl. Don't be gay. Mm-hmm. Be a protector, be a provider. And then there's other ones that are, you know, when I do them, I put them on a PowerPoint slide. So I'll have the audience name them and then I'll pretend, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like somehow clairvoyant because I guessed what you all would say. And uh-huh. I have a slide that basically shows everything that they would say. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules is a sentence that I've created off of what people have said. And it's mm-hmm. the rule for sex. Have as much sex as possible. With as little connection as possible, with as many hot chicks as possible, with as big of a dick as possible. So this is a, a, a an internal man rule. This is not inter- knowing we actually let people know about what we just want to act on it. We act on it. We <clears> follow <throat> it. It is a sentence. So I use that as a double entendre. What's the sentence? Say that again now. That it's... We've been sentenced to. Oh, we're sentenced. We're sentenced to Ah, it. It's not just a sentence. It's a sentence that we have been, you know, like that that is all that we can experience in relationships. The profound connection that we can experience in relationships and intimacy. Denied. 
denied by that one sense. So what you're saying, Dan, is that wa- that men, the, a lot of the men's rules keep us, I think, separate, isolated. Disconnected. Yeah, disconnected. Terry Real, who's done this work for years, talks about how being a man is being disconnected. Terry and, has been on this podcast, by the way, folks, and he talks about, my favorite book of his is Don't- I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about it. Thank you, which is a book about male depression. Yes. Because I think he really understands that a woman might, or a partner might think, oh, well, this is just the asshole I'm married to, excuse my language, when so much of what they may be seeing may come out of depression or emotional issues. Right. And, but the man rules get confused. It's like, well, that's just how a guy is. He doesn't that's talk, who he doesn't he communicate. Mm-hmm. Without understanding, there's so much more going on beneath the surface. In fact, a good friend of mine, Dr. Alan Burke, and I are working on a book that we're going to be putting out very shortly called What Men Would Tell You If They Weren't Too Busy Watching TV. <laughs> right? So it's a great title. Yeah. It's a great title, but it speaks to this idea of like, what would men really say if they weren't bound by these rules? Mm-hmm. And so we share our experience in that book on each rule when we talk about the different man rules and we talk about what does it mean when you're forced to have to win all the time? That there's no room, you know. Succeed. What is it? Second place is the first place loser. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the sayings that we hear that success has to define who we are, and that success has a specific definition for men, that it has to look a certain way. All of that is part of what drives a lot of men, and it creates this, this disconnection mm-hmm. not only from others. But from self. So what I don't understand is this, though. And uh, I mean, we could talk about this. Uh, we're going to talk about this a lot. But it seems to me that there are a lot of men who might say, you know, I hear you, Dan. Yeah. I'm a little repressed. <laughs> you know, I got to uh-huh. act this certain way. But I got to tell you, when I'm the studly guy with the biggest you know what, and I'm making the most money and I got the best haircut, I actually get the most women. So how can you tell me this doesn't work? You know, I'm just pushing a little devil's out. No, here. no, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, so for it's one, reinforced. when so. I have a man say that to me, I say, okay, good. That's that's what's working for you. How well is it working? Let's talk about that. So let's define success. Right? Define success. Mm-hmm. Define the quality of your relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, because men will argue for these rules because it hits so close to home. I mean, this is the armor that protects us. Ah. The soft underbelly of, you know, it's not a well-constructed identity. You've You've experienced this. I've experienced this. You put men in a room where you give them permission to relax in some of these rules. They are dying, literally dying some of them. for our populations, Yes, dying to do something different, to be something different, to have permission, mm-hmm. to have more choice in the matter. And that's the thing is, is, is that, yeah, these guys can say, I'm successful, I'm doing all this. But the question is, does it bring them joy? Are they fulfilled? And they might even say, yeah, I'm happy. I'm getting laid all the time. I'm happy. Who wouldn't I'm be happy? Laid all the time. Right. What's, you Making know, lots of money. You know, right. when you're alone and you look in the mirror, you know, can you cold eye contact with the man that you see? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean to be a good man in the 21st century? I mean, that's kind of the crux of what my work deals with. So before we get on to any kind of solutions. Yeah. I still want to talk a little bit more about the problem because I'm going to go a little further and say it isn't just men or how we're acculturated. I think that women like us being in this role some of the time, and this is ascribed for us. It's not that every woman wants us to be warm and sensitive and they say that, that. but they seem to go for the ones who are tall and subtly with the big salaries. (laughs) Yeah. The big salaries. So what is that all about? Well, I use this concept that I call the water 
right? That we are like fish in the water and the water is our reality. Well, women aren't in one fish tank and men in another this fish tank. This is true. We're all in the same water. Right, right. And excuse the term or the phrase, but it's true. And we're all shitting in the same water. This is true. So women grow up in that water. And so women grow up. I mean, I- With can, a muddy I view. Can, with mm-hmm. a very muddy view mm-hmm. of men. Mm-hmm. And they're internalizing all these ideas and they're mm-hmm. internalizing their ideas of themselves and what mm-hmm. they think is going to make them happy. And they, the woman rules tell women, mm-hmm. well, you've got to be beautiful all the time. You've got to be thin all the time. You've got to have a man. You've got right. to have a man who's going to take care of you, a man who's going to protect you. You've got to have a man who has a lot of money. You've got to have children. You've got to have children. If you don't have children, what does that mean? Right. You've got to take care of everybody other than yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've got these woman rules, you've got these man rules, and they're constantly an interplay. And we don't talk about them. We don't talk about them because because they're invisible to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. They're just how we show up. And so part of my work is about making the invisible visible. Hmm really about how do we begin to see the water? What we need, what we really want, how to find it, where we are and where we can move to. What's getting in the way? These rules get in the way because they mandate. Okay, I, I'm going to... Without giving us choice. Yes, you were correct. Anything that's rigid. That rigid you have the to, rigidity of it. But, but you're the not going to... The rules themselves aren't bad. You're not going to say... I mean, and we've talked about this and, and a lot of literature actually. So let me back up a little bit and say that men's issues and the way men communicate, relate to each other and connect is very much in the media on a subject of conversation Huge. right now, in part related to Me Too, uh, but in part related to the fact that we haven't seen a real men's movement in this country since the early 90s. Right. And that movement had its own challenges. There's a lot of rules in that. It was a lot about going, men going off to the woods and being men together. Right. <laughs> right. But not necessarily dealing with all the stuff that the Me Too generate, you know, the Me Too movement has no. forced us to really confront. No. And so this new men's movement, I think, has a greater opportunity for wholeness because it's not going to just be men moving out into the woods. We're going to be coming back into our gonna, homes, into our homes and into right. the rest of the world and listening. Not mm-hmm. just talking. I mean, sometimes the um, most obnoxious a man can be is when he's getting in touch with himself. Because once again, it's all about him and this new world and this new life and these new eyes that he has. Mm-hmm. But it's still some of that narcissistic kind of look at me, look at me. Now it's like, look at me and this healing I'm doing. And oh, I'm sorry how much it's oh. impacted you. Well, let me tell you more about me. So narcissism yeah. is endemic to the species. Um, women seem to have a little bit more flexibility in their personalities in that way. And they affiliate better. And the man rules are narcissistic. The man rules are antisocial and they're narcissistic. And we wonder why men show up with those personality disorders so much. Do you write a blog? Um, I don't. Okay. Did you get, the reason I'm asking this is I have this strong feeling in talking to you. I really mean this is right now. Like I want to write down the gay man's rules. Like I want to sit or do a podcast with you. Let's do it. Because I think that the rules for gay men are, are different. Are, they are absolutely. They're somewhere pitched in between the women's rules and the men's rules. Yes. And the, and gay men have a very interesting experience. And you can tell me if this sounds right. You have the man rules and the gay man's rules. Well, uh, so you have both that and your judge still by the man rules. Uh, yes, absolutely. But even more so, because if I want the way I think gay men look at it is, you know, and we could talk about this later, but, you know, we're in the same pool as women. We right. are looking for men to be attracted to us. Right. Well, when are men attracted to slim bodies, perfect, right. perfect parts, beautiful faces, great hair. So gay men are at the gym, you know, have some body dysmorphia, way too focused. Reinforcing some of the man rules. 
while thinking all along that either they're not men or they've rejected all that stuff. I don't, I don't, that traditional masculinity stuff is not for me. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this sex, love and addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. Well, I would do want to say, Dan, that, yes. that heterosexual men do seem to have a little bit more luxury about gaining 15 pounds. Women don't seem to care that much. You gain a little weight. You, you know, a dad bod. You're not as, you have a dad bod. <laughs> but if women do, or if gay men do, yeah. men move on to someone else. Men yeah. want an object. Uh, absolutely. That's that's one of the man rules. Is, is, I want is, an object on a person. You know, when we say don't be a girl, that shows mm-hmm. up very, very deeply. And part of it is the objectification of women, mm-hmm. which we don't talk enough about. But I mean, men, objectify men, are, women? men are raised to objectify women from a very, very early age. It's very true. And women are raised to objectify themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's let, let me give you an example. Please do. When a little boy is getting dressed how many people crowd around that little boy and say, oh, look at him. He's so cute. Oh, my God. Look at how he's dressed. Oh, that's such a wonderful little suit. Such a wonderful mm, little shirt. Don't remember that. Yeah, I don't think that happens. How about a girl? How about a little girl? And how many people surround her? And usually it's the women that are surrounded. Cute, oh, pretty, my frilly. God. You're so cute. Look mm-hmm. at you. You're so pretty. You're- oh, look at your hair. Look at that nice little outfit. Mm-hmm. Tell me that's not the beginning of the objectification of women where we're sending the message to the little girl that how she looks mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. a lot, so much that we're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to now point our attention toward you for that. But for the boy, if he's it's just water, dressed man. and took a shower, that's enough. Like, get the kid to school. <laughs> you know, that's all that matters with the boys. Right? And, and, and you know, the sad thing is, is I was and I was thinking about this just not that long ago, is, is that, like, the messages that these boys get, you know, the messages that they wear on their shirt, these are messages of disconnection. These are messages that aren't about me being able to express myself. You know, the girls have love and peace on their t-shirts. The boys have, you know, team shirts, the team shirts or the school, or they have the robot shirts Mm -hmm. and they have Mm -hmm. the superhero shirts, but the superhero shirts are not people being superheroes of connection and superheroes of affection and vulnerability. It's superheroes of strength and power. And there's nothing wrong with strength and power. It's, again, the rigidity or the idea that says that they don't get to coexist. Mm. And yet, in our culture, in the media, that's even starting to shift. I mean, when you see some of the superheroes these days, they're shown as more broken broken and more vulnerable and more able to emote. It's just that the messages are so mixed. So here's the problem. So mixed. I think why you're, you know, I'm listening to you talking about about movies. And, you know, the problem is if you got, if you see a guy who's fully following the man rules, he's kind of boring. Characters aren't interesting until they show their flaws, until they show their vulnerabilities, until they show their challenges. And then you can start to relate to them. Now, I think now, now, now we used to think the Marlboro man and John Wayne were interesting and they were interesting because they could fight and they could take on, but we're more, those are dated references. Dan. I want to tell you where there are people who have no idea who John Wayne was and Marlboro is a place in England. (laughs) I think just say, well, no, no. So let's think about it more currently. 
The yes. Rock, The Rock, uh, John Cena, mm-hmm. and yet when you look at how they're portrayed in certain movies, mm-hmm. they're more vulnerable. They are broken, even though they're they're huge tough guys. They, I wonder they might if- joke about having feelings, but make no mistake about it: their primary power is their power. Their primary power is their brawn, mm-hmm. is their strength. Oh yeah, is their ability to kick ass and take names. Well, we had Arnold and short. We yep. had Arnold and Jesse the Body, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone, right? Yep, and now Sylvester you've got Stallone. The Rock, and but it's still these sort of pairs of buff men right. who are. But I, I, it's interesting you mentioned that maybe they're a little more vulnerable now because I wonder if there's a desire to have some female audience. You know, women want maybe. to see some of that vulnerability. They're not going to go see a superhero who's completely. I think the narrative is changing, and I think people are aware that the narrative's changing. But look what's happening in our culture. It's I hear you. It's mixed, and yet I look at what's happening, and like it seems. So, Dan, you know, you may know this. I've been running around doing a lot of groups around Me Too. And I have done probably eight or nine groups where I've sat with 15 or 20 women in a group and they've shared their Me Too experiences. And then I let the men share and we share with each other. And so, you know, having been all over the country, talked to group after women and group after women, just asking them to share, I've reached a Mm. conclusion about women, which I've shared here before, that every woman is abused in our culture. Every woman is harmed as our culture. I know that women don't like to hear this, but, you know, every woman has to worry that some guy's going to call her out about her boobs or someone at the gym is going to say something or someone at work is going to touch her in a part, but you never know when it's going to happen. And you have to walk out in the world as a woman ready for someone to do something that's not okay, which in some ways means that women walk around with their own armor all the time. Some of them are very sexualized because they're like, you want to screw with me? I'm going to screw with you too. Some are like hiding their femininity because they don't want anybody to come on them ever. And some, but every woman has to adapt to the fact that men are a threat to them in public. When I do meet two groups and I listen to the, and I'm talking about sharing groups. That's what I'm talking about. Therapy type groups. When I listen to the women, yeah. They talk universally, almost every one of them about, well, when I was 15, when I was 19, when I was 23, when I was raped, when I was touched at work, but every woman has a story. Yeah. My experience with the men is they don't relate. They listen and they listen. And honestly, if I'd done one of these groups, one of me two, I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, some women have had a hard time, but you know, this is just the way the world is. But having listened to it six or eight times, I'm like, oh, okay. Every single woman goes through some, and it is absolutely my experience that men don't get this. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. We don't have an experience of walking out in the world and being fearful every day, unless we're worried about our job or worried about something specific. We're not worried about someone's going to call us a name or we don't walk around the world with those fears. The only way I could relate to these women was I remember I was profoundly bullied as a kid. And I remember leaving the house and thinking, oh, anything could happen today. I could get beaten up. I could not pick for a team. I could. And that fear each day of walking in the world, what's going to happen? That's where it comes in. And men don't know that women walk around in the world with that fear. So it's got to be the both and, right? I mean, to me, that's the challenge is the Me Too movement sometimes unintentionally has put it in black and white and us against them sort of thing. I don't think that's the issue. Uh, Well, hold on. So- I think it's an incredibly powerful time for men to listen. Yes, and grow. And grow. Now, are men going to be able to empathize more if they can look inward and see how they actually do share some of those experiences? Of course. And I think those experiences we share are in our childhood because at a certain point, the men put on that armor Mm -hmm. and that armor is power. Well, it works. That armor is abuse. Nobody fucks that with armor me. armor is violence. Well, and it also is- At the extreme. Oh, it's also success and power. You know, I put on my power tie and my power suit and I go down that street and nobody bothers me. So, so that's why I think a lot of men can't relate is because they're trying to relate from a narrative of adult. But if mm. you try to relate from a narrative of child 
every man has his story. I've yet to meet a man who didn't have his story of how the inculcation of the man rules caused him great pain. Whether it was what he was leaving behind, what he was forced to take on, what he gave up in a relationship, what he lost in his relationship with his father or his mother or in that. When we can help men touch that, that's where we have the opportunity to grow with empathy because they can touch their suffering at the hands of how we have been socialized. And I think that will help men listen more. I help, I think that will help men really hear what women are going through and how we perpetuate it. You know, the man rules raise men at the extreme to be perpetrators. And the woman rules at their extreme raise women to be victims. And that's a pretty strong statement to make, but I see that. I don't mean all men are perpetrators. I don't follow that line. But, but if you take the man rules to their extreme, if you take somebody who follows the man rules to their extreme. So where does this come from? I mean, these rules. Um, oh, I don't yeah. remember reading them when I was growing up. Well, they wouldn't don't... it be great if we did? Oh, if you actually said, do I agree with this or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, wouldn't it be great if we reviewed them in, in school? And <laughs> do I want to sign these we rules or not? reviewed them with our parents. Right. And then, you know, when my dad's handed me down these rules, mm-hmm. he says, you know, this is genuinely how they've impacted me. My chronic alcoholism, my abusive behavior, mm-hmm. my slaving myself to death for my job, my inability to connect with my wife. These are the rules that I've been following. Now, how about we talk about it for you, next generation, and see what's going to actually work for you? You know, it's amazing, Dan, and you know this. So we run a treatment center called Seeking Integrity. And I've been seeing a, a number of guys recently who, and you'll just completely get this, they, they're successful in life. I, there was a guy here recently who was a, um, a very successful soccer player and his street, mm-hmm. like, his really, you know, had risen pretty high for an amateur. He was running a couple of systems companies. He was, he had a kid's marriage and he was the emptiest guy I'd ever met. He spent no time at home with his kids. He spent no time at home with his family. All he did was work or push his own teams ahead. And when he went home, basically what he says, look, I'm working and I'm busy and I'm tired and I don't have time for you guys. Yeah. And so the very nurturing he could have gotten, I think he didn't let himself get because he saw it as, it's interesting, like so many men, I think, think, oh, if I do the dishes or I make dinner that somehow I'm it's not so much about doing something feminine, but like I'm doing a favor for her or I'm doing something yeah, for yeah, the yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What they don't realize is when you do the dishes, when you do the laundry, when you're involved in your you're family, participating. you're participating, they're coming, people are coming to you, they're asking yeah. you questions, you're engaging, you're not right. sitting behind a computer screen. Well, I was just going to say that's, that's why we titled our book. What men would tell you if they weren't too busy watching TV, if they weren't too busy working, if they weren't too busy disconnecting in the basement, if they Mm -hmm. weren't too busy. The whole idea is that we disconnect. What about the man cave, dude? Everybody says we need a man. I need my space. There's this big thing. There's a time and a place for everything. Okay. There's a time and a place for everything. So it's about- It's about balance. I can find my way into that cave and I can find my way out of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I can go into it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's not a place to go to. I'm not running Look at from porn, something. Get drunk, right? <laughs> I'm going to something. I'm uh-huh. going to that place of self care. I'm going to that place of like what fills me up. Like my man cave has my guitars, has where I do the podcast. Can we call it a Dan cave? We can. We can. <laughs> I hope we do because I don't want it to be confused with man. Cave okay. And by the way, these are we are now Robcasting. In case you, these are Robcasts. Oh, these are Robcasts. Oh, well. So in the world we live in at the moment with such a fractured media world where everyone is getting information from different places. And it seems like I see people facing each other, wanting to connect and not able to. I wonder how we can get 
how do we get these messages across? Because I do believe that women almost universally would rather see who their man is than watch him perform. Yeah. But that's a woman will let him perform and he'll perform and they'll, you know what I mean? And I mean, perform, but, it could be sex women, work. Women have, have interjected these man rules too. Mm-hmm. And, and so like we talked about at the very beginning, you right. said it, women will say, I want a sensitive man. I want my man to be right. Though she doesn't want to date him, <laughs> but she doesn't want to date right. him. Or when he does that on his own terms, it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's protecting me? Who's taking Who, care of me? Right. right. Mm-hmm. And wait a second. I mean, if you're going to be this vulnerable, this they're still in the back of their heads, this idea of being a man and having to reconcile a man who shows up that way and being a man. Now, I think for a lot of men, that's in their heads and that's what they're projecting on to mm-hmm. the woman. But if they can't have a conversation about it, if they can't talk about, you know, again, the water, if they can't talk about the water in their relationship mm-hmm. and how that's showing up, man, some stuff can get really quickly undone that actually had such a great opportunity, such an amazing opportunity for connection and love gets undone because we can't talk to each other. And I want to say to everyone who's listening, who is struggling with a relationship, that crisis is an opportunity. And when you're a couple and you're at your worst, it is a time to sit down and have really meaningful, heartfelt talks. It can be the greatest moment when you can open up your relationship, when you feel the most hopeless about it, because the things that won't work um, might, that haven't worked might suddenly open themselves up to you, like having meaningful, deep, quiet conversations about what really means something to us. And I think we can have these conversations more easily if we can also look at the man roles and the woman roles and how they show up in our lives and begin to choose consciously. You know, that's what I talk about. I talk about conscious masculinity, mm-hmm. Ooh, conscious femininity, conscious masculinity, how to say that again. That's awesome. Yes. So, so that's it. Mm-hmm. Choose the man you want to be. And if like, like what I wear in the day, I'm going to put on this color and put that, I'm going to be more of a, more of this. this and make thing. sure you have a wardrobe that really fits, mm-hmm. you know, for the possibility that you're comfortable wearing. We can I mean, carry this metaphor a really long way. Yeah. If your wardrobe is all black and just brown shoes, well, it's kind of like, it's pretty limited, but okay, if, Dan. Yes. I want to ask you the question that I should not ask you at 29, 29 <laughs> minutes and 59 seconds, but you know, <laughs> here you are like the sort of like, um, de facto, sensitive, open, caring man who's working hard to be a good dad and a good father and conscious of his own vulnerabilities. I mean, that's how I see you. You are you, you are doing this thing that you're trying to help others with, and that's the only way to do it. So now I want to ask you, you in particular question that I know the women in our audience are wanting to know. Why do men cheat? Oh, man, if there were an easy answer for that, then these programs wouldn't be as sophisticated as they are. I think men cheat ultimately because of disconnection. I think men cheat ultimately because remember, what are the rules for intimacy? Men define intimacy via sex. Mm -hmm. If sex is, if intimacy is breaking down in the relationship, I don't know how, I mean, asking a man to express intimacy and vulnerability in a relationship is a little bit like asking him to speak Russian. When he's never been exposed to one word of it. So I think I have a good example of this yeah. that might be helpful. I notice that a lot of the men that I work with, yeah. even if they haven't cheated early in their relationships, I'm not talking about sex action, I'm just talking about regular guys. Yeah. When they have their first child or when they have their second child mm. and now their wife is really distracted, not available physically, emotionally, she's focused on these children. Yeah. She, her body isn't what it was, of course, what it was a year or two ago. And he's looking at her and his needs aren't getting met. 
He's not the center of attention. He's not the center of the focus. She's not making herself the, look yeah. the way he might want her for him. She's focused yeah. on, this is when I see men cheat the most. And if you look at Ashley Madison ads on television, they are focused on 34-year-old men. Well, what's going on in the lives of most heterosexual 34-year-old men? Their wife or have, is having a child and they're not getting all that they want from her. Well, and think about what it is for a lot of men too. Think about the resources that are out there for moms, who become, for women who become moms. Mm. What are the resources that are really out there for dads? Being a dad is terrifying. I mean, being a dad is terrifying. I can say that from experience. Mm-hmm. And, be, <laughs> and being a dad... And you're a good dad. I've being a dad differently than how I was fathered mm-hmm. is its own experience. So you've got all of this coming up for a guy mm-hmm. when his child is first born. Mm-hmm. I mean, how am I going to build healthy, safe loving connection with this little, tiny, defenseless, powerless little being, how am I going to do that? And then how am I going to navigate this massive change in my relationship with this woman who I love and I care about, but who also because of her, the relationship has been predicated a little bit on her meeting his needs because what's one of the woman rules? Take care of everybody other Mm. than yourself. So you've got the woman rules and the man rules once again playing out. But now mommy is doing exactly what she needs to do Mm -hmm. and shifting her attention. And daddy's jealous. And daddy's jealous. But let's talk more positively about this because these are the fathers that I know. Mm. These fathers are as engaged with their children as the moms are. From day one. From day one. They want to be. They don't necessarily know how to be, but they're doing it. Just because, you know what? Women... They've been raised. Careful, careful. No, no. Women have been raised to be moms. And so they've been practicing. And some women have been practicing for this for a long time. Men are raised to be husbands, but not dads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because they've been raised to expect this mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they've got it down. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to figure this out. And so if we're open and trying to figure it out together, you know, that's more intimacy and connection. So. I would say those dads are probably not cheating when I can be open about the engaged my ones, the engaged because they're dads, still getting their needs met. They're getting their but needs they met. They are going the extra mile of saying, well, she isn't going to come to me right now because she's occupied, but I'm going to move toward her. And ideally now I have a bias sample because it's all men in recovery. And what does that mean to you? Can you say something about Yeah, because these are men who are already predisposed toward getting their needs met. Self-reflection, self-reflection, accountability, and other men in their lives. Mm-hmm. Having other men in their lives. Uh, being committed to leaning into men for support and not just a spouse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and we know that men are more isolated today than they've ever been, or the impact of that is greater than it's been, than it's, you know, than it's ever been, with suicide rates being higher than they've ever been. So I want to end with that topic. And Dan, I hope that you'll come back and we'll talk more because obviously we have a lot of fun talking together. Yeah. I think we could take up more time. But you know, you uh, you and I share stuff online and, and I read your newsletters and I, I, I share stuff with you. And I've shared, you know, we have some new sort of rules about how we look at masculinity from the APA, the American Psychological yeah. Association. You, I had a few feelings about that. We, wrote, yeah, we both wrote up both a little did. about that because really all that was focused on was sort of how to constrain the negative traits that are inevitably going to come out in men. Yeah. And there was nothing about seeing men's strengths as strengths and how you can work with them in a positive way, which I think and, is a problem. And, and making traditional masculinity bad. Bad. Right. That was a great, yeah. That was, that was the greatest. Why can't you be John Wayne if you're attentive and engaged and present and, and you can still be John Wayne? But, but here's my question. Here's yeah. what I wanted to sort of direct to you is, 
you know, we've been looking at a lot of articles coming out now about men being lonely, about suicidality. And you wrote something, I don't know, it was in one of your newsletters or somewhere I saw it. It was a little something. It was like, how do you turn to a guy and tell him that you, hey, you're sitting at a bar, you see an interesting guy, you got a free evening, I'm making this up, but, and you want to just chat with another dude. You just turn to a guy and say, can I buy you a drink? That's just not, I think, is that what you, I was like, yeah, how do you do that? Well, so just a little hint for the men out there who long for connection and understand that that their marriage and their family is part of that, but they also need more of that. And if they don't get support for themselves, especially from other men, that they are likely to turn to women and cheat yeah. and all that. How, what do you, how do they start? Where do they start? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, I think there are men who have their best friends, but they haven't ever taken the risk of talking about something other than new sports and weather. Mm. So part of it is a willingness to take a risk. With the people that are already there. With the people that are mm-hmm. already there. Mm-hmm. To just go below the surface. You don't have to jump into the deep end, but you could just say, hey, you know, I just wanted to throw something out about what's going on in my relationship. Mm-hmm. To know, a male friend. To a male friend. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there are men's groups. There's, you know, the Good Men Project. There's lots of things online where men can kind of begin to ease mm-hmm. into it a little bit more and have community with each other. Mm-hmm. But I think you really, you start where you are mm-hmm. and you just, it starts with taking a risk. And that's the bottom line. Men have to be willing to take that risk to open up to their partner, to open up to a friend, to open up to somebody else. And to, you know, I say this on my podcast all the time. I have yet to have one guest come on where part of the answer was not about men asking for help. Or reaching out or making connection. Correct. So that's our job, Dan, is to teach men to connect and help them understand the meaning of connection. Because when you're out there on your own, you may look like a handsome stud, but you're probably just a lonely dude. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Let me ask you this. If people want to get a hold of you, they yeah. want to read your stuff, they want to hear your pot. Can you just tell them all the digits and dots where they can yeah, find you? Yeah, the easiest way to do it is dangriffin.com. Just come to my website, check out what I have to offer, and you can contact me through the website. And, and I, you do lectures and workshops. You I, go to churches and all kinds I, of organizations. Lectures, workshops, um, retreats, retreats yeah. consulting with programs right. that are interested in really taking a deep dive into looking at how they've designed their Improve men's culture. Men, mm-hmm. Improving men's culture. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. So, well, I, I just yeah. can't. I wish there were three more Dan Griffins because we need you. <laughs> and um, also, folks, The Man Rules is a podcast on Stitcher and Android yeah, all and all of, that. All of, anywhere you want a podcast to be, you can find The Man and Rules it is, podcast. And uh, it is singularly fantastic. Thank you again, Dan Griffin, for joining us. Thanks, Rob, for having me. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term, effective, intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.